0: It's kind of amazing how every single time I sit here, I forget everything (laughs) that I'm going to teach. It's like clean slate. It's not fun. (laughs) There's definitely suffering in it. But somehow, because I've practiced long enough, it's still in there. So that's the good thing. (laughs) That's the good part. I remember when I heard the term for probably the 500th time, I learned it by heart. You know that term? Oh, I know it by heart. And I just always said that as a kid, and you don't really think of what that means, or I didn't really think about what it meant. But it was really the difference between just knowing something in the mind. You know, like I remember learning the 50 states and... I don't know third grade and memorizing them and I won the ice cream prize because I knew them all and their capitals you know but then I don't know them now I mean <laughs> I did not learn that by heart <laughs> it wasn't but Chad Choo, Choo? <laughs> you probably don't know that song I learned it in a play also in third grade and I loved it so much that I could sing it now for you I won't but I could <laughs> so, so just to reflect on, like, really the difference between knowing something by heart, I know it by heart, versus concept, thinking, remembering, right? And the practice feels a lot like that. It's the part, so you don't need to remember anything. Like, you don't even really need to listen to me in any kind of way that you might listen to a teacher with a chalkboard or a... They probably don't use chalkboards anymore, but whatever they use now. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, just sit and receive and take in what makes sense, let go of what doesn't. And your, your wisdom will, will hear, will know what's useful and helpful. So I want to talk about um, wise effort today. And one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons, I mean, although it works out really well in the schedule for the retreat, but I like to talk about this because I'm a really pragmatic person and I need to have proof. Like, I want proof that something works. I'm not going to believe you on blind faith. right? And so this practice of wise effort, this path factor of wise effort, was one of the things that fundamentally changed and really helped my practice. Um, It helped me understand things about how my my mind worked, but also how the human mind works, right? So I wasn't alone in it, um, but they were very, you know, functional um, practices. But first I want to contextualize in the whole of the Eightfold Path of where wise effort lands, because... One of the things that I learned a few years ago, um, and I, I heard this from a scholar of a lot of the suttas and the Pali Canon, um, that there are 84,000 skillful means of how the Buddha taught to his students at the time. 84,000 skillful means. So that, what that means is there are 84,000 ways to practice. And the Buddha taught different things to different audiences. So if it was an audience of monastics, something was taught in one way. If it was an audience of householders, um, like, like we are, um, something was taught in a different way. It wasn't lesser than, or, you know, it was different. Shepherds and wives and kings, and they all got different teachings at different times for different things. And I think it's really important to remember as we sit here, and we're going to teach you maybe 20 (laughs) of the 84,000, right? So it's really important to remember um, how different minds, different ways of learning, different ways of being in the world will receive the teachings differently, right? And so we're going to do our best to give you the most that we possibly can and not overwhelm at the same time, right? Because too much information is too much information. And then the real, the real effort, I'll use that word since that's what I'm talking about, from the practitioners, from myself as a practitioner, from you as practitioners, is then the due diligence is on you to do the work. So once, once the teachings are spoken, um, hopefully the expectation isn't that I'm going to get that and then I'm going to move on to the next one. I'm going to get that, then I'm going to move on to the next one. I'm get, right? It's, it's, it's not linear really like that. The Buddha did not have a playbook when he went to sit under the Bodhi tree. He didn't have a playbook. And so it was really through sitting back and just, being so curious and checking out how phenomenon, the phenomenon of the mind and the heart worked and going, oh, when I do this, that happens. When I don't do this, that doesn't happen, right? It was sort of like a very simple formula of this creates this, not doing this creates this, and watched that occur and then had this depth of understanding. So I want to, I want to, why I'm saying that is because you are all experts (laughs) at you. Nobody can do you like you do you, right? I can't pretend or try to be you. And so really having that knowing, the confidence in yourself. Why I have confidence in you is because you're here. That says a lot already. That's like 50% of the, <laughs> of the deal. You got here. You came here. You thought this was a good idea. And then I just want to impart some and share, you know, and hope that you have confidence in yourself and some wisdom to hold um, some of these teachings that are coming across. But so the Eightfold Path um, has three distinct parts. Um, if you've heard this already... It's good to listen again. (laughs) If you haven't, then I'll try to be as clear as possible to help understanding. So there are three distinct parts for the Eightfold Path. One is called Panya, or wisdom. One is called Sila, or our ethical practice. And one is called... um, Oh my gosh. Did I say Panya first? Sila. Samadhi. <laughs> Samadhi Samadhi. is um, the third part, which is basically our mindfulness, concentration, and effort practice lands in the, in the third basket. They're called three baskets. But the thing that's really important to remember and know about this Eightfold Path is they are inextricable from each other. They all belong with each other. They all get little pieces and information from each other. I've heard it called the three strands of a braid. So if you've ever done a braid, you need all three and then they create one piece. And the first piece really points to, it really points to, I mean it points to a lot of things that I'm I'm not gonna totally get into, but it points to the wisdom pieces, really points to cause and effect, how things work, the truth of the way things are in a way. Karma, if we want to call it that. So that's one piece. Then the second piece, the Sila piece, is how is our interrelational piece, our relation, how we behave, how we show up in the world, how we act. And the precepts that we took is part of that practice. How we move throughout the world, not causing harm, relating to others. And then the third Path. The third part, which I'm going to talk about the most tonight, is, is really what we're doing here, this mindfulness practice, sitting, paying attention, present time awareness, working on our concentration, stilling, calming the mind, stabilizing the mind. And then knowing, as you've seen, that takes some type of balance of energy. It takes energy to do that, Right? It takes enthusiasm and drive and something called aditana, which is translated as determination or ardency. And so this is the inner work. So there's the relational piece and then there's the inner piece. The work we're doing on this part, So, not so that we get to be really great meditators, like that's cool, and the point is so that we can then weave that into The sila, ethical factors. So when we move through the world, what we learn here, what we start to understand, we can move it out into the world. And then our response, the way we speak, the way we act, the way we move, we can show up with integrity. And then the wisdom piece braids in saying, oh, I don't have control over everything. There's actually a natural order to things. And the deeper I understand the natural order, the more I can concentrate on those things which I can control. My sila. My mindfulness practice. Is it, am I getting confusing or is this making sense? Like I'm just trying to weave this, this beautiful thing together. This, this is the whole of the practice. The whole of the practice is the eightfold path. This is the path to liberation. And we're doing a really amazing job at parts of it here. And like I said, you, can, you cannot avoid the other parts when you're doing this. They all go together. So I feel like I want to talk about that so much more, but I will move on so that we can get to this this effort piece. So effort really takes a level of balance. Oftentimes it's um, compared to... um, I know some of you are musicians in here. I know a particular music teacher in here. (laughs) So if we had a musical instrument that's out of tune, right? If it's loosely tuned or too tightly tuned, the sound is going to be off. So it's compared to a lute or a musical instrument, sometimes right, wise effort. I don't want to use the word right because that just sounds wrong. <laughs> Not right, wise effort. <laughs> it's compared to, you know, the, 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 uh, a little egg that's going to be hatched. You can't will an egg to hatch. It just won't. It will hatch in its own time, right? So it means sitting with, being there. It doesn't mean abandoning it. It won't survive if you abandon it. But it means sitting with, staying with until it's ripe, until it's time and ready to hatch. Effort. I was thinking about, too, because I'm a little bit of an insomniac, and I notice, like, if I get mad at myself for not falling asleep, Joanna, fall asleep, just fall asleep, just fall asleep. It totally doesn't work. (laughs) It does the exact opposite. It keeps me agitated and awake. If I let go of that mind trying to control... I actually can get to sleep so effort really is an active it's an active balance not too much not too little so I'm going to get into some of the technical aspects and this is this is what was helpful like I was saying this was really helpful for me in my practice I'm going to get into some of the technical aspects and hopefully you'll you'll see yourself in some of these or um, all of them um, at some points um You know, because we're so conditioned to conquer, and even if we consider ourselves more passive people, it's our right and our duty to survive on this planet once we're born, right? So we do everything in our power to survive. This organism does everything in its power to survive, And oftentimes that means fighting, oftentimes it means controlling, oftentimes it means planning, oftentimes it means structure, right, routine, or sometimes it means exploding, sometimes it, whatever it means. I'm sure each of you have your own flavor of surviving through this world, right? Some of it conditioned, some of it born to us. But something that we do in this human form is we really, you know, it it is this, like, got to get to the next thing. And I don't know about you, but at at the beginning of when I first started practicing, when I first started going on retreat, like I was so hypervigilant about it that I would cross off the sits. (laughs) It's like, down, done. (laughs) Walk, down, done. Sit, done. Lunch, done. You know, it's like got through it. <laughs> and we'll sit here on the cushion. Bell's going to ring. Bell's going to ring. Oh, okay, good. Now I get to walk. Bell's going to ring. Bell's going to ring. Bell's going to ring. Bell- okay, good. I get to sit. <laughs> Bell's going to, right? And you know what I'm talking about. And then, and like Rebecca was talking about this morning or whenever that was like, I'm eating, I'm eating. It's lunch. Yay! I love lunch. Yay! I love lunch. Bell. Oh, lunch is over. Okay, next thing, right? And then crossing off the days. Okay, made one day, made another. So, I mean, that's just, natural right it's in some way like a sign of success because we got through it so the, the really radical and different part of what we're doing in this practice is saying oh actually <laughs> this is this is it this is the whole of it you know I don't know if this is a good metaphor or not, but you, you might all be too young for this, but you know d- death, I don't know how much death you've had in your lives and hopefully hopefully not a lot yet, but it's there. We all experience it at some point but i I've noticed as I've gotten older as people closer to me are dying on the regular, right just that that constant understanding of wow, right here matters so, so, so much. No matter how bad things seem or uncomfortable I am, wow, this moment, this moment, that fan, wow, that fan's so cool, you know, spinning all on its own, or whatever, just like how often, how often. So the effort of staying, staying, existing, being, has become more and more interesting to me through this through this effort practice. So I want to, the four, the four efforts, and I'll just tell you all four, and then um, I'm going to go into them a bit. But one is prevention, how to prevent states that are unhelpful and wholesome, as we call it, from arising. One is abandoning, how once we've, so we've, we've missed the prevention part, and so we've landed in the, uh-oh, I'm in it part and okay you know what I'm going to tell you that I'm noticing I'm abandoning is cussing because I cuss a lot and I'm abandoning cussing up here I've gotten in trouble a couple times so I'm like wow I wanted to say that and I didn't that's super cool (laughs) I'm growing up um (laughs) abandoning um once you're there right you're in this full-blown thing how to some of the steps to get rid of it. How to cultivate. How to cultivate things and those things that are helpful, wholesome, forward moving. And then how to maintain. Once we've gotten it or felt it, how we stay there. And how we keep watering what's, what we've cultivated. So those are the, the four wise efforts Um, And so I'm going to talk about them. Hmm. So the first one, the prevention. The prevention of, this is a good one. But when we're looking at the prevention of, we're, we're looking at the prevention of the hindrances, right? The prevention of these states of mind that block us or make murky our clarity. And those hindrances, the first one is, is sensual desire or the, the, the intense craving to have something. So maybe on this retreat, that's happened for you where you really wished, you really knew that if you had this thing, everything would be better about this retreat. If only that one mocha latte just showed up on the food table, this retreat would be perfect, right? Or if only I could just call so-and-so and and have that confirmation conversation that i've been imagining in my head for the last 24 hours if only i could have that then i could actually settle i would be okay on this retreat the retreat would be good if only it wasn't so hot everything would be perfect right so we have these desires we have these things that would be really fun and nice to have. I'm sure fantasies have been arising. I mean, I had a... <laughs> I look at the recorder always because I'm like, is this going to be edited out? Um, I had this retreat. <laughs> I, ha- I know you don't do the editing, but I had this retreat once, and I'll, I'll share this with you all. Um, I, I had this one retreat where all I had were pornographic fantasies. Like that. that... And really violent images. So I went between the two the whole fudging time. (laughs) The whole time. And I was like, okay, oh yeah, that would be really fun to do with my boyfriend. Okay, yeah, I gotta tell so and so. And I just was like, really in it in such a big way this is before I knew anything about effort and then the other part so I thought it was a great time to explore and then the other side was just I won't get into the other side but it was not non not pleasant violent images and so I went between sensual desire and aversion sensual desire aversion this whole retreat and the aversion was interesting, and, and I, I might pose this to some of you. Sometimes we're really, really loyal to our suffering. Like, the violent images, which were terrible, I also kind of was feeding on, right? Like, I was really interested, like, the aversion, like, gave me something to do. It was interesting. It was, you know, entertaining. And so I kept, I kept feeding it. I was like, oh, yeah, this, this, I could get through 10 days of this, right? <laughs> But it wasn't helpful. It wasn't leading me out of desire or aversion. It was just keeping me looping in the desire and aversion. My volitional thinking, my volitional thoughts were like, yeah, let's feed this, let's feed this, let's feed this. And it kept going. I did have crazy insight at the end of the retreat, but I'll tell you about that story maybe another time. So there's desire and aversion. Aversion, all those things that we don't like, all those things that we don't want All the things that are making this retreat terrible. We might be part of that story. You know, the bed, the weather, the food, but whatever we can find to dislike, which changes. And then some of you have also mentioned, you know, incredible restlessness, anxiety, worry, the mind busy, right? Playing things out, planning, involved, future storytelling, all of that. That's the restless mind. The restless body, the body that can't sit still, we're not used to it. And then the opposite of that is the sloth and torpor. The body that's tired, the mind that's foggy, the mind that wants to fall asleep, even though you're not actually physically tired, you've had enough sleep. And then the biggest one is doubt. Doubting this whole practice, its validity, its reason for being, right? Choices around it. Doubting yourself if you're doing it right. Everyone else is for sure doing it right, and I'm definitely not doing it right.
1: You
0: know. So those are the five hindrances, and those five hindrances really um, are this pu- huge part of ha- of the prevention aspect of effort, right? So how do we help not get bogged down by that? Because that could take up a whole retreat like I was sharing with you, could take it all up. So with the first right effort, prevention, well, A, this word mindfulness, of course, it's the answer to everything. (laughs) Mindfulness, (laughs) let's give that a try. (laughs) So um, yeah. Mindfulness in terms of, like, shining the light, shining the light on it. I see you. I see you, doubt. These, these, um, so many of these, um, statues of the Buddha, I don't know if you notice, but the hand is often touching the earth, almost always touching the earth. And that story goes that when the Buddha before, right before his enlightenment, The armies of Mara so the armies of all the temptations and greed aversion delusion started like you can't do this who do you think you are you don't deserve this right came and we're trying to talk him out of this last awakening moment and he all that needed was he touched the earth touched the earth and said no I'm worthy I belong here So um this mindfulness piece remembering remembering your nobility your right to be here seeing clearly is really important this mindfulness piece keeps us remembering remember the word sati to remember it reminds us where we actually are right i'm not in this swirl of failure i'm not in this swirl of comparison I'm not i'm I'm actually right here and by touching the ground I'm going to remember that I touch the ground often you know just as a reminder so this mindfulness piece too so there's a few few components to how we can really prevent 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 the arising of the hindrances prevent the arising of these things that grab us and keep us from our hearts and minds being clear. Right? So, one of them is having basically a doorman, <laughs> a doorman for our senses. So these sense doors are like open for business all the time, right? They're just open for business. If somebody wants to walk by me that I find attractive, I just get to see them and then it just goes in, <laughs> right? So one of, the, one of the things that is said, and, and, and I don't love the way, it, it's guarding the sense doors. I like the doorman version better. Because a doorman doesn't keep everything out, a doorman just keeps, you know, like the riffraff out. The doorman <laughs> keeps out that which won't be helpful in the club that night, right? <laughs> so it's like, no, <laughs> you're not coming in. So the sense doors, the ears, the eyes, the touch, the taste, the smell, but also the mind in, in the Buddhist paradigm The mind is a sixth sixth sense door. So thoughts are going to drop in just like we see, just like we hear. And so the doorman's kind of like, okay, I see you. like I know you're here, but am I going to let you in? Mm. Prevention says no if I know that your job is to cause me harm. If I know that your job is to make me doubt myself, Crave something that's not good for me, right? Does this make sense? So this doorman, this sense door prevention, what can I do? Because we're, we're smart, right? We know that if we hang out with certain people, for instance, like who we spend time with matters. Like I don't know if you have some of those friends. I have some friends who really like everything is bad, And they are there to convince me that everything is a conspiracy, everything is bad, hate everyone, you know, defend against, build your bunker, like, that's what they do. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes they're funny and sarcastic and witty, right? And so it's enjoyable. But in reality, like, my heart, I don't really feel great when I leave spending time with them. Right. So one of the things that one of my preventative tools is I need to know what space or mood I'm in when I engage with certain people. I need to know what space or mood I'm in when I walk down the ice cream aisle. I need to know, you know, <laughs> what space or mood I'm in when I make a phone call. That might be something that where there might be some conflict and I'm not really ready or prepared. I need to know what space or mood I'm in when I open social media. Our sense doors, we take it in, right? It's not always, it's not always okay. We're not always ready, which is one of the reasons why um, giving up technology on retreat is really helpful because it's a preventative measure <laughs> from us opening our phones and possibly having to engage with something that right now might not be very helpful. Right, So pre- prevention, it's a, it's a big thing. And I have this silly little story. It's probably quite vintage now, um, but in a good way, because maybe that means you've never heard it. Because sometimes our Dharma, us Dharma teachers tell the same stories and poems and things over and over again. Um, but this one's so old, maybe you've never heard it. <laughs> um, so it's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Anybody heard it? Okay, Well, here hear it again. <laughs> Chapter one, I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in this same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down another street. Right, so that's prevention. We can see very clearly. First time, first time you get away with, okay? That's like, that's a give you. But when we keep doing this thing over and over again and expect a different outcome, we need to look at, we need to look at that, right? So how do we prevent ourselves from falling in that hole over and over again okay so the next one is to abandon to abandon so we've fallen in the hole now what what do we do so you're you're stuck you're stuck you're stuck um you know we're stuck in the comparing mind we're stuck in the self-judgment we're stuck in the am i doing it the right way we're stuck in the i'm a failure we're stuck and we're just, we're in this obsessive loop here in practice. And I don't even have to ask for a hand raise because I know that's happened for everybody. <laughs> it just happens. It's happened to all of us. So, so some of the steps that we can take when that happens is, okay, so when you do remember, when sati returns, when mindfulness returns, when remembering returns, you ignore it, right, okay, I see you, you're there, I said this to one of my groups today, I see you, not right now, any of you that have little brothers or sisters, any of you that have friends that annoy you, any of you that have been dealing with bugs out there, you know, swatting the bugs doesn't work, there's way more of them than you, so we get to, it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ignore it, life will be much more pleasant, right, So doing that with our thoughts, doing that with these incessant thoughts, okay, I'm going to choose to ignore it, not right now. The other thing is to divert your mind to something else, right? So you see it, it's happening, and you intentionally, so one is to put it down, ignore it, sort of like if you have a backpack on your back and you put it down. Diverting your attention to something else. One of the beautiful things about this body is, is we have lots of parts. So let's say the mind is busy in something. Okay, but my big toe actually right now, my big toe is pretty okay. My hands, they feel they feel fine actually. My earlobes, they're pretty good. All right. So how can I divert my attention? Another one is to replace with something else. And so these Brahma Vihara practices that we're um, doing at seven o'clock is a beautiful replacement. So we're stuck, we're stuck in a really painful place. We're stuck in some kind of fantasy. We're stuck in some kind of really oppressive place. An option is to say, I see you, right? So do the saying, and then care about the pain, right? Not you know, We don't have to keep in the thought, but let's say it's creating a, a pain in the heart, turning towards it, maybe sending it some compassion. Oh, even a, a warm hand, putting a warm hand on the heart, saying, I see you and I care about you. So we're just sort of paying attention to it in a different way. I was on, again, another retreat story of mine. I was on a retreat, and I was particularly obsessed by somebody that had broken up with me. This was a really long time ago. And I was... I'm sorry. I'm going to take this hearing off. I was particularly obsessed, and I just couldn't stop thinking about this person over and over and over. My retreat was basically a twofer, right? Like, I had paid for me, but they came and sat right next to me. And it wasn't cool, because... Yeah, every meal, they ate half my food. They shared my tiny little bed. They shared my cushion. You know, it was just like constant. And so it was my, you know, like teacher one-on-one time. And I went in and said something to her. And she says to me, well, just stop it. (laughs) Just like that. And I went, oh, I can do that? said, (laughs) yeah, you can do that. So I did. And every time that person came into my mind, I just stopped it. Like I literally cut it. And within a day, and I'm not promising this to everybody, but I was very diligent about it because I was annoyed. You know, I was just totally annoyed. Um, I just stopped it. And it was so cool because I didn't know that I had that in my capacity. And I got to spend the rest of the retreat practicing the equanimity practice, which was really about, I am the heir to my own karma, my own actions, and, and that person was the heir of their own, right? Heir, H-E-I-R. And so I, I was able to create space and separation and abandon that obsessive thinking. It was really helpful. Um, it was a little harsh and and hard and intense, but it was also what I needed to hear at that moment might not be right for everybody so so one of the things that and i 'm not i 'm paraphrasing, but when we have a thought we need to abandon it said that with clenched teeth like mm, i'm gonna rid go of this right which at times i mean at times of like real import, like if we 're in a state of maybe the throes of addiction or self-harm or something like that. It's really necessary to have that kind of effort, right? This really intense effort that just says no, no more, right? So, the, so it goes from like more gentle ways of efforting to abandon and then some really like necessary, um, possibly more intense ways. Um, there's this other story that I really like. It's a story about an orangutan. <laughs> and um, there was this orangutan that was being studied. It's an animal study story, which kind of sucks. But I think uh, we'll just say that this orangutan was being saved. We'll say that. So it, w- it was going from, like, different lab to different lab. And these different labs were finding that um, this orangutan kept... Well, they didn't know it was the orangutan but every morning the office would be like papers everywhere and filing cabinets knocked over and just stuff everywhere and they'd come back and the orangutan was in the cage and they didn't know how it happened so one night they put out cameras you know to to see what happened when they left and so they watched the film the next day and the orangutan it was the orangutan was out like having fun it got out of the cage was out having fun it had a paperclip that it had learned to open the lock with, but the interesting part, so it let itself out, the interesting part was it also put itself back in. So it went back in the cage, closed the cage door, and put the paperclip in its cheek. So. Ultimately, this orangutan could have freed himself, right? Like he could have been like Curious George (laughs) running the streets of Boston or whatever. But instead, he kept putting himself back in the cage. I think it's such a good mindfulness story because how often we, through this practice, are actually offered the possibility of freedom often. And yet there's this interesting way that we keep putting ourselves back into the cage. And we keep going back to the story. Because at some point, we so identify with our story, our history, our lineage, that we forget how not to anymore. And so this practice is your paperclip. You know, it is your possibility to abandon that way You know, Bob Marley, one of my favorite lines is, free yourselves from inner slavery. None but ourselves can free our mind. Right? So this is that abandoning of. The abandoning of. Hmm. And then the the next two. um, To arouse wholesome states that have not yet arisen. So these are good. One of them, one of the ways of arousing, you know, because we can really get, sometimes in practice, we can really get caught in what's hard, what's not working, how it's wrong, that we forget to open our eyes and see what is working, what's right, how well you're doing. You're doing really, really well. And I only spoke to a few of you brilliant people today, but... Like I said, just the fact that you're here (laughs) is a good thing. So let yourself, when you're outside, instead of being crumpled into a world that feels like everything's wrong, what's it like to, and I'm not saying that you're not doing this also, but really spend more time in this space of actually seeing what's beautiful. Open the eyes to what's right, even if it's just for a minute. Like, oh, I felt through a whole breath just now. Yay me. You know? Good job. Good job. Cultivating. The good old planting the seed metaphor. What we plant grows. One of the biggest, another big thing for me in in the practice is this idea around causality, you know, or cause and effect or Sometimes we'll call it karma. You know, I said it at the beginning, if I do this, then this happens. Right? So we know that conditions arise based upon what we do. Conditions arise based upon what we don't do. We can't sit... I mean, a lot of you may be college age, post-college, getting jobs right? You know what it's like to work towards something and to have to put your energy towards something to get it, right? Can everybody say that they maybe know how that feels? <laughs> maybe to agree that's like too intense and too much, but you know the work it takes. We know that if we, if we cultivate I like to read, um, my husband turned me onto a really bad habit, which is reading like really intense detective stories. So I have this habit now of where I'm literally me- reading like murder mystery detective stories and teaching retreats. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, that world seems totally normal, you know, <laughs> when I, because I'm I like listening to it so much. Obviously, I don't live in that world. But I think, wow, that, that might be kind of fun and interesting to be a mobster, you know. And to <laughs> But imagine, like, if you were completely surrounded all the time by a certain thing, that's what we become. That's who we are. That's what we cultivate. That's what we grow. And so what we cultivate, what we spend time on, so if we're learning to cultivate compassion, and looking at our heart and looking at our mind and how they work together, this is what we, this is what's going to grow, whether you like it or not, right? Whether you like it or not. So just paying attention to that. What am I cultivating? What's, impor- what's so important to me that I'm willing to put in some work? Because I know you all have. I know you know what that feels like. I don't doubt that for a second. And then the last is to maintain that which has arisen. I have a student, I I see private students quite a lot, and I have this very successful student. He's a filmmaker and makes really fun films, mostly black films, black exploitation comedy films. And he actually has a big movie out right now and he can't feel happy for himself. The second joy starts to arise he squashes it and starts criticizing himself and has this really like bad boy voice going on. And that's the voice of his mother. The voice of his mother told him he was never right. He was never good enough. And so sadly, even in his success, really cool things are happening. Joy arises, he squashes it. So look at that. Pay attention to that. When joy arises... When you see beauty, when there's a feeling of calm or peace, say, oh, wow, this is here. I see you, and I'm happy to greet you. I'm happy to hold you. Let's hang out for a little bit. Right? Let's, let's stay here for a while. And the more we get used to that, it really develops in us. you know, And it pushes out. It starts to push out. It doesn't believe all the untrue stories anymore. It kind of ed- it edges it out very gently. And in time, we start to notice, So, oh, wow, more of my life is spent in this calm, easy, low drama place, which can sometimes feel boring to people <laughs> if they're used to a lot of high drama all the time. But we get used to it. And it's just easeful. So allow yourself on this retreat, when you're noticing those moments yeah, just allow them to be there, and they they tend to grow. So those are the four those are the four right efforts, the ways that we can work with this practice to prevent, to abandon, to cultivate, to maintain, and just see as you go through your day. Maybe what what prescription is needed? Oh, what can I use right here? Am I stuck? Oh, what would it be like to put it down? I have a crush on that person that walks through the food line every time at the same time. If it (laughs) helps a lot of fantasies arise or gets you all pulled out of sorts, maybe we go into a different line. Or if there's a Vipassana Vendetta, which is the other one, Someone you just don't like at all, and you have no reason why. It's just the way they walk in their shoes, and that you just don't like them. You know, maybe avoid that. We don't have to dive into that. We can, we can walk the other way, right? We can look the other way. So just doing ourselves that favor while on retreat, because while we are conditioning ourselves, here we're conditioning ourselves. This is a training This really is a training. And so, any of you that are athletes, musicians, really anybody, anything you know how to do, you have to learn it. We don't just know how to do it, we learn it. So, let yourself learn how to balance, balance the effort using those tools. Let's just sit for a couple minutes. So there's about 10 minutes until dinner. Um, maybe go outside, take some deep breaths, and will see you at 7. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.